Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air Conditioning. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry, as well as dealing with some legendary blokes. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. That's griffinair.com.au. I've been fortunate, really fortunate, to meet so many good people over the journey. This is proof you don't necessarily have to be a big name to have a big story. This is Weekend Story. Some easy listening as I talk to some of the people I've met along my journey. They're from differing backgrounds and industries. The stories are theirs, uniquely theirs. They're inspirational, emotional, intriguing and different, sometimes all rolled into one. You may not know their name, but by the end of this podcast, you won't forget their story. Welcome to Andy Raymond Unfiltered and Weekend Story. I'm Brett Crusher-Murray. This is my story. Joining me, a guy I've known for 27, 28 years maybe, and I still don't know how to title him or describe him. Marketing guy, sports fan, motorsport tragic, entrepreneur, innovator. Am I close or am I way off the mark, mate? Fat old bloke. (laughs) (laughs) Join the club. Join the club. Uh, a few hats there, Andy, I guess, over, uh, you know, X amount of years. And uh, as you said, our, our history goes back a long way and it's been an interesting journey just out, us two together. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's been lots of things along the way and I'm, I guess uh, when you look at it, you've got to be uh, open to wearing any hat that comes along and having a crack, really. Especially in these times. Jeez. I mean, oh. we've, we've seen so many people not want to change profession or change job or change lifestyle or change life, but it, it's just happened. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that COVID's really taught us is that you need to you need to be able to adapt, you need to be able mm. to pivot, you need to be able to change and you need to be able to set yourself up to be able to do that quickly. Yeah. Um, and if you can do that, then you'll, you'll, you'll come out the other way. It's, it, it's, it's a lot of hard work and yeah. the amount of work that people do for nothing uh, is probably the most frustrating thing. You know, there's so much energy you put into things that just never see the light yep. of day. So the, 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 I think the key to all that is, is developing things that, that don't have a, a shelf mm. life um, uh, or do have a shelf life in regards. You can put them in the drawer uh, and be able to bring them out in six months' time, hopefully when things clean up, which is what we were thinking 18 months ago, but we're still not there yet. So. Yeah. So I think that uh, yeah, having those things ready to go is uh, is certainly vital to survival at any business at any level. On that, speedcafe.com, um, we'll get you to hit us with the promo speech later. That's your love, that's your passion, uh, you know, and that's what you probably spend more hours a week on. How has that gone? Just, 
you know, we're talking about being able to adapt during COVID and wearing different hats. How's speedcafe.com going, you know, over the last 18 months? Well, well, mate's brained them, to be honest. Like, yeah. you know, last year we did 50 million pages, you know, year to date. 50 million? Pages last year. Whoa. And, fuck. And it's, you know, uh, it's quite amazing. You look back, I think we did 888 pages on our first day 13 years ago. Um, and and I, I knew we, were get to, we got to a point where we were doing 10,000 a day and we thought we were rocket scientists. Now if we get under 120,000 a day, we're wondering why. Wow. You know, it's, uh, it's been quite an amazing journey and the brand, you know, as you know, I'm a big brand guy, so, yeah. you know, protecting brands. I've been entrusted with some of the world's biggest and so we build our own brand and we've built it on trust and people know yep. they come there, they know it's – you know it's right, yep. you know, and I think it's been really the key was taking old school journalistic ethics that, you know, came from my, you know, regional newspaper days yep. uh, and applying it to a modern medium. And I think that's, you know, people have used the medium the wrong way in a lot of spaces. Mm. But, you know, we've used all the tools and the tricks and the bells and whistles. That's all great. But at the end of the day, if you're talking bullshit, you know, the fan sees through it. Yeah. So you just got to be straight Content's up. Content's king. Content's king, but the correct content yeah. is king. You know, it's 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 invaluable. Mate, what is speedcafe.com for those that, that aren't aware? It's not on their favourite list. No, well, we develop it's, – it's basically – it's the world's number one independent motorsport news site now uh, with those numbers. And, you know, as so we're growing, we're up 20-odd we're up percent as of this morning, year to date. Um, and we developed it. Uh, yeah, 2009 we launched it yeah. um, with, uh, you know, not a not a big – we got the support of a couple of our partners. I, you know, I've got a PR business, the BAM Group, as you know. Yeah. Um, we developed it off the back of that and um, we had some partners um, um, that will come and join us for the journey. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them are, st- are still with us today. Are they really? 13 yeah. years later. Um, and, you know, we've got some great brands and um, – it's about telling the news as it is, right? And I guess coming back to that COVID story is, you know, we we had to adapt. You know, it's like the international stuff we've gone very heavy on. We've invested in that. Um, we've come up with, you know, we come up with a thing called the bucket list, um, yep. which was, you know, museums and activities and all these things that people will be able to do when they come out the other side. So I was basically yeah. going, oh, geez, I wouldn't mind doing that. Or we get the boys together or the girls together, we, we could go and do that yeah. stuff. Um, when we, you know, when we're uh, capable of doing one of the other things we set up, one of the things we really based our our ethos on is community. Um, okay. You know, we raised, uh, we got a charity, Motorsport Ministries, uh, which you know I've been involved in the sport for a long, long time. Yeah. Gary, uh, um, yeah, with Gary Coleman and his and his clan, and you know they got ministers ministers all around the country. Go, they do twelve, fourteen thousand race meetings a year from little dirt tracks wow. out west to the Bathurst one thousand. Um, you know, they were running their whole show on about six grand a year. You know, they they used their own money. They had people from their own congregations and they're all non-denominational. But, mm. you know, they come with a, you know, a, a Christian background, if you like. Yeah. But they're just good, good people. And, and unfortunately, you, you don't see them at their highest until you have a tragedy where they come in and yeah. let's stuff together. You know, in the last, you know, 14 months, we've raised them about 55 grand so they can go off and nice, do mate. some stuff like that. Mm. So the community stuff's really important to us. And one of the things back with COVID is like, okay, how, what can we do for the motorsport community? What can we do to yep. keep people punching along? Because, you know, a month, you know, May last year, it was like, oh, hey, where are we at here? What, yeah. where, where, and I guess we're still asking the same questions yeah, now. Yeah, sadly. 
So we created Network Cafe, which was basically a networking group for anyone involved in motor racing. So if you're the local butcher shop that sponsored the local karting kit or yeah. you're an automotive company down the road or just someone involved in the game, it didn't really matter. You could get in, talk about your services and then Network. Get, yeah, and you just get them networking with each other. Yep. So and it's totally free for anybody. So anyone can join that network. Go to network.com.au, networkcafe.com.au. Log on, register. We do a we do a story once a week where we focus on one of the members and tell their story. How cool, uh, you know? And that goes to all the members. We communicate. Free. You know, people see it's all free, absolutely all free. Just so we could just keep some traction. Yep. You know, with some of these companies, you know, some are going better than others. Yeah. But it was about telling their story and, and you know getting that thing done. You know, now in a couple of years' time, that thing might be there. Everyone's great to back. There might be you know, a couple of hundred bucks a year to be a member or something. But that's not the objective. The yep. objective is to make sure that all those people, just through some small little contribution, play a role in keeping them going. You know, if they can get them, we can get them a deal a month or something that perfect keeps the doors open. Yeah. Then that's great. Mate, you mentioned independent site, um, and it's this isn't a promo for Speed Cafe, but you mentioned independent site, and I'll, I'll go back to rugby league, as most people would go back to politics, but I could read the same story on rugby league, and you got a journalistic background, in a News Limited paper and or a Fairfax paper, and depending on who is involved, what's involved and how high it goes, the two stories can be very different um, because they're not independent as such. Um Happen in motorsport a lot. Is that why being an independent site is so important? You get to push the facts and the truth and and something that isn't just motivated by uh, a political bias? Yeah, or a commercial bias. Commercial bias. Certainly in our game, commercial bias. Um, Yeah, it's it's really important. Um, Mm. You know, and I think one of the great indicators I got of that, it was only about two years into the site and I was standing at the back of the garage at a supercar meeting and then one of the sports leading team owners was at the back and a fan come up and asked him a question about something and said, you know, I've heard this, is that true? And he turned to him and said, is it on Speed Cafe? And the punter went, no. He goes, well, can't be true then. Nice. So that was pretty cool. And he didn't know I was standing there. I overheard it. So it wasn't for my benefit. But then I knew we'd started to get a bit of traction. And even now, mate, like I have – you know, obviously our sources are good. I've been around a long time. Our journalists, you know, good young journalists. We've bred yep. a lot of really good people through both sides of my business who are doing some amazing things here mm. and internationally. Um, you know, they've got their ear to the ground. You know, mm. only yesterday I had two team owners ring me to ask me what the hell was going on because they didn't know. And they wanted the independent. They wanted yeah, me to say, yeah. hey, have you heard anything here because we Jeez. don't know what's going on, which sort of, you know, at least, you know, are things about, you know, where the whole show's at. You know, it's yeah. very interesting on, you know, in Speed Cafe in Supercars land where that all sits with ownerships and all yep. the changes that are happening and going on. So where it all where it all rolls out in 2022 is, you know, anyone's guess. But, again, it comes back to that position of being able to pivot and move and change when opportunities present themselves and be able to, you know, be in a position where you're ready to take advantage of it. Mate, you mentioned supercars, um, and that's obviously where my background and Dad's background was and where, where we first met. One of the things that I was really curious and disappointed about early 90s when I first became involved was, and I might be off the mark, but it appeared to me there was a lot of really good people, but a lot of good people pulling in different directions, and the sport 
couldn't get out of its own way at different times to push in the one direction for the betterment of the sport. Not just a team, a sponsor or a track, but the whole sport. Because if if a whole sport grows, everyone benefits eventually. Are they pushing together more so now than, than what they may have 30 years ago? I think that was that was the case certainly, f- uh, you know, when the supercars brand became yeah. existed, you know, ex- you know, was developed. And I think, you know, your dad did an amazing job with the whole V eight thing. Mm-hmm. He had the vision. He saw what the punter wanted and understood yeah. it. And there was the whole two liter war and the V eight war. And at the end, you know, the supercars thing evolved. Um, and you know. It, Again, it had good leadership, you know, Tony Cochran, love him or hate him, had yeah. vision and had a purpose and built it into a position. Um, you know, then then they sold it mm. to, uh, you know, equity people who just want to, you know, nine times out of ten, they just want to rip the hell out of it. There's no yeah. one with passion or understanding, which is fine. That's business. That's the way it is. Um, and then you're in a current, you know, ownership situation now. Mm. So who the new ownership needs to gather up everybody, get everyone in the room, get some direction mm. and push on. At the end mm. of the day, we want them to make as much money as they possibly can because if they are, everybody else is. But if they're the yeah. only ones making it, then, you know, then we've got a problem. Mm. Um, and I think everybody needs to benefit. And the, and the people that are going to be in the chairs of responsibility need to be passionate about mm. the game. They don't necessarily need to be mechanical people like me. I'm not a mechanical person. I don't. I'm not. I don't profess to be an engineer. Yeah. People have conversations with me, and I'm like, "What? What? The hell? I yeah. don't. You know, a lot of it's seeped through osmosis over the years, and yeah. I can provide a, an answer. Yep. But you know, uh, I'm not going to engineer your car. It's going to win a race. Yeah. I, I will sell you a heap of tickets. That, you know, help the race happen. Yep. And I'll help you keep a sponsor on the side of a car. Yep. And I'll do all those other things. But in regards to that, I've never mm. professed to be that. But at the end of the day, you need to be passionate about that that deal. And I'm not necessarily yep. passionate about the sport from a technical standpoint. You know, and as I said, my knowledge has increased over, you know, if, if it hasn't increased over 30 years and I'm in the wrong business. But, you know, when I ran the Gold Coast race for 16 mm. years, you know, the reason we had the crowds we did and how we did is because, you know, I worked 18 hours a day and we had people around me that did the same. It wasn't just me. There was a lot of people that were passionate about it. Mm. And then it just gets what it is. It just becomes another event. It becomes a cookie-cutter thing. Yep. There's no there's no soul to it. There's no, you know, you need to get that passion and, mm. and have those things there and have people that, you know, are there to get a result for everybody and the sport in mm. general and feel good, good about that rather than tweaking their own ego. And a lot of that comes through listening to people, like yeah. sitting down and having the conversation. You don't have to take it on board, but at least listen to what they've got to say. Be aware of what's... If someone's yeah. been around for 30 years and they've got something to say, they're probably going to know a couple of things. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air Conditioning. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry, as well as dealing with some legendary blokes. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. That's griffinair.com.au. 
just have the conversation. It's interesting because I, I say this about boxing, uh, and I'm a huge fan of Australian boxing and the majority of people involved. But because there's no overseeing, there's no governing body, there's no marketing plan in place, there's no financial plan in place, there's no goals, there's no united aspirations. So where the fuck is the sport headed if there's no point, you know, if there's no arrow at the end of it and everyone works for themselves and I, I, I get disappointed in the fact that there is so much there to Aussie boxing and so many talented and passionate people but unless you're working together. But it's the old story, mate. I mean, when, when I grew up, my favourite golden book was The Little Red Hen. Yeah. So The Little Red Hen, you know, gets the seed and says, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a loaf of bread here. So he gets yeah. the seed and he says, right, who wants to help me plough the field? And everyone goes, no, not I, said the, you know, the fucking duck and the pig yeah. and whatever. And then then he grows and who wants to help me water it? No, not I, said, you know. And then, then who wants to help me cut it? No, not yeah. I, said. Who wants to help me grind it? No, not I, said the bit, you know. But oh, who wants to help me? Roll the duck. No, not I said. Who wants to help me bake it? No, 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 no. It's all made now. Who wants a piece? Oh, fuck, I'm in. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. I don't I don't want the hard work. I'll, but, yeah, I'm hungry, so I'll, I'll have some. Mate, um, the book, I loved it. Unique. Like, it, it is a really different perspective, I thought. And I thought it was tremendous. You enjoy doing it? Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, it was. It was, um, it was a really interesting process, you know, like um, – and the reason I people say, well, why did you write it, right? So mm. it was a couple of things. One is it was around my 50th birthday. Yeah. I launched it the day before, as you know, and, um, you know, so many mates said, hey, you need to write a book. You know, every, yeah. something happened and I tell a story and, you know, I'm a storyteller, right, yes. like you, you're a storyteller. Yeah. So you, you tell a story and it's like, oh, mate, you've got to write a book. You've got to yeah. write a book. And then it was like, I think one of my mates said, seriously, mate, you've got to write a book before, you know, you get down a plane crash and all this shit just yeah. disappears. You know, you've got to get it documented. Yeah. So then I set out and set myself the goal of that and then, you know, I sort of floundered around and I'd, I'd you know, it was the style. A mate of mine was going to, I was just, we were going to go up and take two boxes of wine and I was just going to talk on a tape recorder and he was going to write it. Yep. And then I wrote a chapter and said, right, this is sort of the style I'm thinking about. And he said, oh, fuck, man. He said, that's what you want. He said, I can't write that. He said, the only bite that can write that is you. You, yeah. So I said, right, well, I, that's how I want it written. So, okay, I've got to do it. So yep. then I sort of sat down and then started writing stuff and then I would just, yeah, there was no rewrites. There was no, you know. Really? No, there was none of that. It was just here it is, What that's what the length is, here it is. And I had a uh, a mate, that, that same mate, he, he mm. sort of edited it and then I had a proofreader who we'd worked with in the newspaper game. She proofread it. Yeah. And then we just sort of pick up some typos and we missed a couple but, you know, um, you know, we self-published it and we sold a couple of thousand of them and sold a few and I still don't even know how that works. Sold them online. I don't even know. I don't even know how to get the money out. Um, but – you know, like the books. Every now and again, I'll uh, I'll I'll get a note from someone. When we when we sold them, we we, we packaged them up, and I'd send a personal letter with yeah. the book, saying, "Hey, thanks for buying it." Blah 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 blah. Um, if you've got any feedback, or you know, let me know. Here's yep. the email address. And I got two emails within a couple of days of each other, and you would have sworn they were written by the same person. There were two women. Yeah. And one was in Western Australia, and one was in Townsville. And they both basically said the same thing. And we said, we, I was in the kitchen the other day. I heard my husband laughing out loud. I thought, I'll go in and see what's on TV, what he's laughing at. And I walked in and to my surprise, one, there was TV wasn't on and two, he was reading a book. And I've never seen him read a fucking book in, in his life. Wow. Um, and, you know, he, he was just laughing. So, 
that was really cool. Like to get that, that sort of feedback. What was story really has awesome. been the most popular? Did they? Did the two ladies say what story? No, was no, written? they just told that story. Yeah. Uh, in general, but no, th- I mean there was, like you know, I guess you know the trips of myself and Paul Morris traveling across America yeah. together and you know ripping up stuff and you know getting away with it and throwing crackers in you know nightclubs and getting chased by the cops and. You know, going to Bathurst for the first time, and you know, as a, you know, stealing my mate's mum's car and driving it from Albury to Bathurst as a fifteen-year-old, yeah. and drinking booze all weekend, and going home and forgetting the, forgetting the spare tire was behind a tree, so we get a bit more grog in the car, and, um, you know, stuff like that. It was a lot of that stuff, and then uh, people would say, "Oh, you know, I can't wait to read about this or that," mm. and that wasn't the funny stuff. The whole idea originally was all funny stuff, and then it was like, well. What about, you know, when Denny Holm died in your car at Bathurst in 92 or when Greg Moore got killed, you know, in IndyCar in 99, it was a mate of mine. And so there was all the serious stuff. And then there was the A1GP fiasco on the Gold Coast where, you know, A1GP was supposed to turn up, didn't turn up. And then basically I rearranged the entire event, wrote my own personal check to get some cars. For the to the Bowden family to get you know the perfect legends up that we got end up getting together and the amount of effort and energy that went into that mm. and the great thing about that was it was one of the few things I actually documented right I actually kept a diary on and and that's nice. one of the things I try encourage my mm. young bloke Max to do is yeah. you know keep a diary because I wish it's one thing I had done from day dot um, yeah it would be good wouldn't it oh and you know it'd just be a lot easier thank yes. God we got Google and a few other bits yeah. and pieces that we could actually do a bit of retracing and. And doing some stuff, but you know, we do- I documented that from day one. So I had every conversation, mm. the whole thing. And when the federal police got involved, I just handed over a document. Yep, and they went, Jesus, <laughs> like it's here. And there it yeah. is. Boom, 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 boom. This is how it rolled out, and you know, and we managed to save the event, save the government, and you that's know. right, save the government because they were invested. Yeah, majorly. And then we did it the following year, and the next next year they gave me the ass. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> is that government or is that motorsport? Does that sum up? Which department? Oh, I think it's a bit of both, yeah, really. Correct. I, mean, I think motorsports more political and politics when it when it yeah, comes to the yeah. top end of town, mate. Um, you, you mate, mentioned- I'm never going into politics. People always ask me that oh. as well. But all I got, <laughs> they read my book. They can understand why I'm not going into politics. Yeah, you can have that. Although it's all in one spot, they can't bring anything out of the club because it's all in the book, right? Yeah, there so, you go. So and still available the book, mate. You mentioned um, earlier in the interview keeping sponsorship on the side of cars. You've been really successful over the years in uh, negotiating sponsorship deals, both for Speed Cafe and your teams and others. Um, What's the key to a good sponsorship? Relationships. Relationship. Relationships. Is it? Just having the relationship. I mean, probably the best best example of that is the Indy 500 2016. Um, you know, I decided to run my own car in that yeah. event. It's the 100th running. It's going to be the world's biggest one-day sporting event. It's like I always said I'd have my car on the race. Okay, well, how we go about it? So then, you know, it just popped into my head. Went, okay, let's try and do this. So then I went to Pertec, who had been a client of mine on the PR front yep. since early 2000s through supercars and was with them when, you know, Ambrose won the championships. And Yep. So there was, was good will there. Race. Well, that was better than goodwill. It was great will, and yep. and you know I consider myself part of the Pertec family, if you yep. like. Like I, you know, I, I understand the brand and the people, yeah. and and they're you know the the Duncan family are wonderful Fabulous, people. Yeah. Uh, Steve Dutton, who's the CEO, yep. is one of my best mates. 
um, we're on the same wavelength, but we, we keep their friendship and you know business mm. separate but together if that makes any sense. We can have the conversations on both fronts. Yeah. So then when I, you know, um, they just bought back their, their US franchise group in the US, they're yep. looking for something to put it together and I said, well, look, I think I've got the pl- – here's, here's the idea. Mm. And then, um, you know, I spent a whole time putting it together and, and then I was in the States. I spent – I visited 12 cities in 10 days trying to pull the money together um, to do the two races we did. And then on – on the night that I was leaving, um, I was totally exhausted. I remember I got I got off the plane I was, and I had a car booked and I just said, oh, fuck it, I just can't do this. And I had a mate of mine lived up in the Hollywood Hills who was in the, you know, he's a prom, you know, promoted major touring acts and all that yep. sort of stuff and had a bit of a link to motorsport through some you know, athletes he'd managed and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I was just going to his place for dinner and uh, and I just got in the back of the cab. I said, here's the address, just wake me up when we got there and I slept for 25 minutes. 30 minutes in the cab, so that's how I got my sleep. Got out his place and he said, oh, Crush, you look you look fucked. Yeah. So we had a cup of coffee and um, and he said, well, we're going to go down for dinner. He said, I've got a couple of people that might want to be interested in being involved in the program. And he said, and then we'll I'll take you to the airport. Yep. So as we were about to get out of his car, the, my phone rang and it was Glenn Duncan who was living in Florida putting the yeah. whole thing together. He said, Crush, so I'll, I'll make your trip home a bit easier. He said, uh, we're in. Wow. So. It's the phone call you wanted? Well, I get goosebumps just even thinking about yeah. it, you know. Like I started welling up and, and, you know, I was exhausted and this whole stream of emotions yeah. just came through and then I walked down to the bottom of the stairs because my, my mate um, Donnie had gone down to his car and I said, I've got to take this call. I walked down and I was, I was crying. He said, mate, what's wrong? Is everything, everything all right? I yeah. said, mate, we're going to the Indy 500, mate. I said, it's happening. He's like, look at me. I said, that was the call, mate. We're, yeah. we're, we're in. We're going. And then, you know, in the car, I rang Trudy, my wife, in the yeah. car, and, and Max, my son, said, right, here's the deal. We're, we're going. And then um, I didn't tell Matt Brabham, who's Jack's grandson, yeah. who drove the car. That was the whole process about that. Um, Jeff and Rosini's mum and dad were back here, so we didn't tell them. When I got home the next morning, we went out for breakfast and – I told them at breakfast and, you know, they were in tears. Trudy was in tears. We went out in the car and we rang, rang Matt and said, right, we're going to the Indy 500. Get ready. And then from then on it was a million miles an hour, you know. It was just – and then we rolled it out. Nobody knew. It was amazing. Like we, we kept it so tight, rocket tight. Really? And we announced it. Uh, well, we <laughs> – we announced because TV, the TVs couldn't get in because I said, oh, look, I've got an announcement. I'm not going to do it at the supercar event, right? They said, yeah, they too, yeah, and they said, yeah, okay, what is it? I said, look, I can't really tell you, but, you know. Trust I'm, me. Trust yeah. me, you know. And thankfully there's someone there that sort of gave me a, you know, some they didn't have, didn't have a clue what they were doing. Mm. Anyway, so then I did it at the Novotel across the road because it was at Homebush and we did the TVs in the penthouse at the Novotel across the road. So we did ABC, 79. Uh, I think 10 was still involved in supercars. Yep. And then Fox, and then we went across uh, and we did, and no one still had known. We'd done, done all that, walked across the road, went and do a, did our press conference. We had the press conference there and we announced it and nobody had a clue. No one had a clue. Wow. And then we re-announced it again at SEMA in uh, in Indianapolis. Yep. At the motor, big motor trade show there two weeks later when we announced our whole community program with the uh, – Military veterans and yep. everything like that that we put together. So, yeah, the whole thing rolled out. But you know, Per Tech, you know, made that happen. And and the thing is that that branding, that program, will mm. last forever. When they do the two hundredth race, 
I'll go back to the original 100th and there'll be the name Murray and Brab next to each other and what we achieved and how yep. we did it, you know, and that'll be bloody cool. It was perfect, wasn't it? I mean, from start to finish, most importantly, finish. Yeah, and to finish, and Matt did an amazing job. You know, yeah. we had a little technical issues along the way and said, but he never missed a beat. And yep. Probably the only box we never ticked in that whole program was getting him into a full-time drive, which he deserved. Yep. Um, but – you know, we just we didn't manage to pull that together. But, mm. you know, he's still running in the States and doing stuff and time's ticking for him. But, you know, we got so close so many times to get him in the deal and someone, some Brazilian kid who walked in with five million and then you, yeah. you know, your deal's at the window. But that's the game. It is what it is. No bitch in the morning. That's the game we play. But, um, you know, he he was marvellous. Um, and, you know, really it was respectful and appreciated what we did, did everything we asked of him. Um, we set up the great program with the – you know, the veterans and uh, first responders in the US, which was great, through the Chris Cole Frog Foundation, which was amazing, and the support I got from um, Stuart Smith on the ground here, who was part of that program, mm. uh, was great. And, uh, you know, we had family and friends. We had like 50 people went over here, family and friends. I took my mum and dad over, Trudy Max there, all my mates I grew up with. They understood, you know, the enormity of it, although they – they probably didn't understand it until they got on the ground, you know, because mm. it was sold out for the first time. You know, there was 400,000 people there, mate, as you know, and it was just mind-blowing. The whole experience was just incredible. It's the big year, isn't it? You know, for the for the motorsport purist, you know, in Australia it's obviously Bathurst and and I get that and, and we all get that and, and we love it. And we love it, yep. Um, Formula One has its highlights, uh so many different forms of motorsport, whether it's, you know, NASCAR or, or any type of open wheeler. But for the absolute purist, the Indy 500 is the be-all and end-all. Well, I it think- is. Well, well, for me it is. And I, and I I think that, you know, just because there's so much risk there, it's like the last bastion, if you like. There's a couple of things where, you know, the Isle of Man TT you know, from a balls-to-wall deal where, yeah. you know, you got to have balls the size of – you know, basketballs to to run at the yep. speeds those guys do, and to do it at the Indy Five Hundred. Um, mm. I mean, it's the place where you can have the best day or the worst day of your life, mm. and the difference between that is that that's it—a touch of a wheel. Yep, and you that, go on and yeah. win the race, or you go on the wall, destroy your car, you know, mm. kill your driver, whatever the deal is. Yep. Fatalities are there. I mean, you know, you're running at 400 kilometres an hour plus. Yeah. Uh, it's it's incredible place, an incredible place, incredible bravery. All the things go with it, you know, to be competitive at that place, understanding the car, you feel mm. you, know, you feel the car through the seat of your ass. you know, uh, and, and, and talking to people that go there for the first time and just having the conversations with them, you know, and I'm – you know, I've been very, you know, I'm blessed in regards to a lot of the people that I've had great relationships with that, you know, Dario from Kitty's one there three times, one of my best mates. You know, he was yep. very helpful to our, to our program, you know, even was though he really? with Kitty. Oh, absolutely. I mean, on the we did the road course race the week before. Where was that? At Indy. Oh, yeah. the road course race. We did that for pit stops and all that, and then yep. we went into the 500. So on the Saturday night um, of that event, you know, we went back to the hospitality trailer. I had a, a sponsor from a – a beer company, a bottoms-up beer company in the US. They gave us some kegs of beer and we sat there. So that night, it was the first time I'd had a drink in two months. I said, I'm not having a drink until I get the deals together. Yeah. And so we had a few beers. It was like about minus three degrees and we sat in the hospitality truck and we just drank beers and just talked nice. shit. It was just one of those things you won't forget. But, you know, something would happen with Matt and my phone would go bing. 
And I'd look at my phone, it'd be a message from Dario who, you know, was keeping an eye on it from down pit lane, even really though he's cool. working for another team. And, you know, his team owner, you know, Chip Ganassi, and very well, you know, one of the greats of the sport. Yep. But, you know, he understood that he was keeping an eye on things for us. You know, it was no advice or, you know, but it was just, you know, words of encouragement, mm. you know. And, he, you know, he pulled me aside and told me how proud he was of me for pulling it together. And same, you know, him and Scotty Dixon, who, you know, has won six championships and won yeah. the Indy 500. And, you know, I was with him when he won his Indy Lights championship when I worked over there. And, um, you know, his helmet from that championship sits in my collection in my office, you know. Um, just great relationships I've held, held over the years. And those relationships I've dealt with, all those people through the Gold Coast race yep. allowed me to go in and say, right, this is what I want to do at the Indy 500. I mean, no one can fucking do that. Yeah, Unless right. you've got the relationships and people trust you. Yeah. You know, they go, yeah, no worries, mate, just give us your sponsorship money, sit over there, have a beer and enjoy it. Mm. You can't go and do it at the level we did it and impact the lives that we impacted. Um without uh, you know, having those relationships and people trusting you to do what you say you're gonna do. That's a great endorsement for the person you are and the operator you are. Quick time to finish without warning. Favorite track? Uh Indianapolis. Favorite car? Uh Probably Denny Holmes 1974 Can Am car, the McLaren, the orange car. Favourite team? Uh, Carlton Football Club, Parramatta Reels. God bless you. <laughs> Favourite former motorsport? Uh, probably any car because of the Indy 500, but yep. I, I love sprint car racing. I love it. And like you with boxing, you know, you see how much potential there is in oh. that and you and you just shake your head because yep. it's – I love it when you go to a dirt track meeting and you can see a crash happening full up before it happens, you know. Yeah. You can just watch it and the bravery of those guys is uh, it's pretty cool. And speaking about events like going to Knoxville, to Knoxville Isn't Nationals, I went there, it was, that was, in you know, just one of the world's great events. Gee, there's parallels between Speedway and boxing, sadly. You know, not everyone pushing in the same direction and the fact, you know, they're both not top-tier sports as, as criminal. Yeah, and, and they could be with, you know, a small, yep. you know, a small amount of – Cash injection, a bit of direction. They could in, be investment and direction. Yeah. yeah, and you know the amount of times I've been asked, and you go, you look at it, and, and something else can you just go, oh, it's still too hard. Yeah, too hard basket. Favorite retired legend, uh, Australian football, Ken Hunter. Favorite motorsport, uh, US Murray Andretti, Rick Mears. Uh, favorite retired supercar driver. Uh, probably, I don't know, he's kicking around in regards to how he goes about his business. Probably Russell Ingle. He'll find that a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Uh, and uh, favourite retired legend, uh, rugby league, uh, none other than the great Ray Price. Oh, bingo, an unfiltered guest. Mate, we've only scratched the surface. We could talk for hours. We could tell stories for hours, both natural storytellers and, and have both misbehaved together over the years after a couple here and there. Pleasure having you on, mate. We wish you all the best and all the best with Speed Cafe. Thanks, mate, and uh, thanks for having me a part of the new series. Great congratulations on everything you've done uh, in the podcast world. I think it's all going terrific, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been great. Let's go to the bar. There you have it, another Andy Raymond Unfiltered podcast. We're the podcast that doesn't talk about the legends of the game. We're the one that talks with them for you. Over the off-season, we've got free weekly podcasts. Tuesdays is Q&A day. Your questions, their answers. You legends are in total control of the interview. Look out. Thursdays are interviews and or stories. Talking with some of the game's finest, both past and present, 
or we'll take a look back at a player, a year, a team or even a game and the imprint left on Rugby League. Then the weekend story comes out, you guessed it, on the weekend. We're moving away from footy for this one and chatting with friends I've met along the journey, all with amazing confrontational or emotional yarns. It proves you don't have to be a big name to have a big story. Before you go, we'd love for you to hit that five-star rating for us on the app you're listening on on the way out. Write a review too, we'd love that. It helps us grow the brand and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon. Legends. Legends.